Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How's it going, everyone? Welcome into the 7 o'clock hour of Sports Talk. Steve Geller here along with Charlie Long. Usually at this time, we might be going to the Matt McMahon show, but the LSU Tigers have a game tomorrow. And of course, you can hear that on WWL and the free Odyssey app. LSU men's basketball team taking on Georgia at the PMAC tomorrow. We'll have tip-off for you at 6 o'clock, like I said, on WWLAMFM.com and of course on the free Odyssey app. You heard Charlie say in the sports flash that former Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler has been hired by the Saints in an advisory role to help them with the NFL draft. Uh, He was the Raiders GM from January 2022, uh, uh, last year spending nine years in the Patriots also personnel department, came to Vegas to work with head coach Josh McDaniels, who had been the offensive coordinator in New England, but both were let go in October after a 9-16 and start to their run there with Vegas. Interesting kind of move by the Saints, so we'll see how it shakes out, Charlie, but uh, kind of took me back by surprise a bit uh, to see a guy like Ziegler brought in, but we'll see what he ends up bringing to this team. Yeah, I don't really know what to think about it. I don't have much to think about it, honestly, because when he was a GM with the Raiders, their draft picks are a little less than stellar. And yeah, then- I was kind of looking back, and that was like, meh. Yeah, when he was the you know player director of player personnel with the Patriots, I mean that was Bill Belichick. Right, Bill was B the running the show the, exactly. Yeah, he was running the the show as Mike was saying earlier on. So <laughs> I don't really know what to think about it, honestly, Steve. I, we had a caller call in and say that it was another Raiders retread for the Saints team, and that seems to kind of be the trend <laughs> right now for for the black and gold. Uh, the black and gold getting a lot of silver and black brought right. in, huh? Exactly. Uh, after the first break, we're going to talk to Matt Miller, ESPN NFL Draft Scout, me and Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak had a good conversation with him. Want to get into your text and calls, though, right off the bat here in the 7 o'clock hour on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. You can chime in 504-260-1870. I see Matt Intibido's got something to say on Mickey Loomis. What you got, Matt? Guys, I got this is something that's been bothering me for a while. The, the Saints won't pay their bills. 
it's like the national deficit. It's just a number up in the air, and it, it just keeps rolling over and rolling over. And the longer we do this, we prolong the anguish. We need to pay our bills, reset, and then go after it. But if we keep we extending everybody, changing these contracts, or like it, they moving numbers around, that's fine. But I mean, at, at some point, the, that bill's going to come due. Am I am I am I wrong there? It definitely feels like that, Matt, but for what the Saints have been doing, I feel like they could keep manipulating this cap and keep on, as they say, kicking the can down the line forever if they really wanted to. So the good news is that the salary crap is going to jump $30 million, uh <laughs> next year, which is another win for Loomis and how they keep kicking the can down the road, as they say. Joel Corey, uh, we had him on last week from yeah. CBS Sports, talked about it, and he said the Saints, to your point, Matt, really do just need a reset year. And that may come at some point, but it's not going to come while Derek Carr is here. They're going to keep trying to make a run at it, try and make the playoffs, see what they can do. I understand it, but yeah, I, I kind of also agree with your point. They will need at some point a reset year, but the cap keeps increasing, and it keeps increasing. And every offseason, you'll see the Saints are in salary cap hell, and they just re- keep on restructuring these contracts and pushing it further and further back so that they can be under cap compliance. I think now they're not even the like the worst cap situation in the NFL. It's Correct. the Bills, if I'm like not mistaken. So they've already cleared up a, a lot of cap space for this year, and they're still working. They still have a couple more contracts to figure things out uh, to get under that cap compliance. But I I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But a reset should probably happen at some point. You mentioned they keep on, you know, working on the salary cap situation, and they did some clearing today. Uh, did convert Carl Granderson's contract, and that cleared seven point seven point two million more in cap space for this team. Um, Mickey Loomis and Co. keep on doing their due diligence there, um, and I will say. As messy as the cap situation looks, I don't feel like this team has lost out on anybody because of them not being able to afford someone in free agency. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. The, the Saints seem to get younger. <laughs> well, I, they need to hit more than on draft picks. Correct. Sure. And that's the issue is that if you're looking at this upcoming draft, you have the first round pick, a 14th overall, then you have a second round pick, I believe at 45, and then a big old <sighs> gap right. before the fifth round. So. Mickey Loomis has called this draft deep. He wants to potentially accumulate more picks. If you trade back, get more picks in this draft, you have guys on rookie contracts that can help contribute to this team immediately, and then you don't have to worry about all these aging veterans that have hefty contracts, and that can help you also not have to worry about clearing up so much space to be cap compliant. So hit on the draft, get some good players on young rookie deals, uh, and then you'll start to you know, reset your roster. And maybe you don't need to do a full-on reset year. It's just over time you can, as I said, get younger and uh, you won't have to have as many salary cap issues as you've had for basically the past half decade. Yeah, it feels, Charlie, though, that inevitably that day is coming, especially with an aging roster right now. There's not going to be... Uh, Correct. You're not, you're not going to be able to say, "Hey, let's let you know try it one more year." Uh, you're Run it ev- back. eventually, yeah. It's going to be this roster is just too old and depleted, and we need to to start over. Yeah, exactly. And players are going to retire. Players are going to move on. You're going to trade some pieces. Michael Thomas is not returning this year. <laughs> Jameis Winston is likely not returning this year. Wouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, and and you have some other guys like aging veterans on the defensive side of the ball, like Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Tyron Matthew, that are kind of in the twilight years of their career. You're going to run it back again this year, obviously, with what they've been doing. Uh, but then after that, 
I mean, a recent year will probably be coming sooner rather than later. I would say so to me, like when you start hearing all these little rumblings and rumors and suggested trades, uh, way too often I'm hearing Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin Kamara. And to me, that's almost uh, sacrilege considering you'd get rid of those guys. Well, Marshawn Lattimore, you would say because you want to get more draft capital this year and he's the guy that and you I could know, see there at least because you have someone like Alante Taylor basically in the wings waiting you know he's not the slot guy and you need to move him outside maybe alongside Paulson I'm forgetting who it was that told us that if they do trade Marshawn it'll actually be for next year's draft it would be later on in the offseason right it wouldn't be before the draft correct so trading Marshawn Lattimore is an interesting proposition you hate really getting rid of good players especially cover corners which Absolutely. is one of the most posi- <laughs> like important positions in the NFL and Marshawn Lattimore has been so good for so many years but if you want to get younger and keep <laughs> getting younger and younger and getting these draft picks accumulated you got to give up something to get something as Bobby always says right we're going to take a uh, step away take a break when we get back uh Saint sideline reporter Jeff Nowak and myself caught up with ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller you'll hear that right here on WWL Sports Talk call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It is NFL Combine Week, and as we get ready, we've been hearing Mike D's countdown with all of his player previews. Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak and myself got a chance to catch up with ESPN NFL draft analyst and insider Matt Miller, and here's how that discussion went. Obviously, we are knee-deep in mock draft season, and looking at yours at pick number 14 with the Saints, going to go there right away since we are in black and gold country. Uh, you've got them taking tight end Brock Bowers, which would be an awesome upgrade at the tight end position. Uh, just what have you seen out of the Georgia prospect heading into the combine? Oh, my gosh. He's he's close to perfect as a tight end prospect. And I'll say this. I mean, he is a top 10 player in this draft, but because of positional value is available at this spot for the Saints. And I, I did look at this as a best player available type pick uh, with the quarterbacks off the board. So that's a, a big part of that equation. But Bowers is a player I've compared him to George Kittle. I think that's the type of weapon you're getting offensively. Uh, maybe not as accomplished as a blocker as Kittle is right now, but certainly has the ability to get better. He's strong. But, I mean, as a pass catcher, he's so versatile. And even at times for Georgia, he's running the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's just such a, a dynamic 
asset in the in the offense. So he is someone that, you know, with changes offensively, I think there's going to be a need for that number two option in the passing game. And, and for me, Bowers can be that guy. I think that's an interesting point is like the positional value because, you know, as you mentioned, so there's all these star tight ends in the NFL, but you look around, you're like Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. None of these guys were first round picks. So I guess how do you yeah. kind of weigh that when you have it's like, okay, this is a generational type tight end prospect, but at the same time, the value might not be there. And you look at it kind of similar to running backs where it's like, yeah, Saquon Barkley has been a star, but has he been good enough to justify taking him number two overall, right? Kyle Pitts, for example, with the yeah. Falcons. I'm just curious, say, how do you kind of evaluate that when you look at a guy like Brock? I think the nice thing about Brock, as opposed to someone, you know, like, and I know Saints fans know Kyle Pitts. Well, you play him twice a year. Uh, Brock is able to play in line. He's able to block. He's able to help in the run game. Whereas, you know, Kyle Pitts is a, he's a big wide receiver, basically. And that's not a knock on him. There's, a, there's value in that. And you look at his rookie year and there's value in that. I think the difference is Kyle Pitts is a player you have to scheme for. Brock Bowers is not. He, to me, is more in the mold of someone like Sam Laporta, uh, who was, you know, picked 34 last year, goes to the Lions, has a huge impact. Uh, he's, you know, someone a little bit more like TJ Hawkinson or in that Kittle mold of they're going to be on the field every down. And by virtue of their ability, you can move them around, but you don't have to put them in the slot. You don't have to get them in motion. They're a tight end that you can run your offense through. I don't want to compare anyone to Travis Kelsey because I think he's in kind of a tier by himself, what he's done the last 11, 12 years, but it's that idea. And I think that's why even last year we saw so many tight ends drafted in the first hundred picks. We saw eight of them or nine, maybe in the first hundred last year. Uh, because teams are saying now, well, we can run our offense through the middle of the field, you know, with timing-based offense, with option routes. We've got quarterbacks who can move now. So I, I think Bowers does fit that that mold of we're rethinking the tight end position to where it it is still valuable. I think you know you can look at can look at what they're being paid. Tight ends are not as valuable as wide receivers based on how they're being paid. But you know, we saw four teams in the championship conference championship games who you could make an argument their tight end is one of their most important assets in the passing game protecting Derek Carr obviously a big issue last season and something the Saints are going to need to upgrade either through the draft or free agency and I know this tackle class is chock full of some stud talent maybe the one of the best position groups in this year's draft do you see something that could shake out for the Saints in this draft in the early rounds where they could end up picking someone there yeah, definitely. I think, you know, they gave up 35 sacks last year. So it's got to give, you know, and unfortunately the Trevor Penning pick has not panned right. out uh, the way, you know, that you spend a first round pick on a guy, you're hoping he's a, a foundational piece. So I think so. Yes. Um, long story short, what's interesting about this tackle class is there are two guys and they're going to go really early. Joe all and Olu Fashano. They're going to go top seven picks probably. After that, there's a lot of good tackles, but they're all right tackles. And obviously, Ryan Remchek's a pretty dang good right tackle. So you get into this conversation of, can we move a guy over? Can we move uh, Talise Fuaga from Oregon State, can, who's a great right tackle? Can he flip sides? Or Amarius Mims from Georgia, who only started eight games in college, but I would say those eight games are as good a tape as any tackle in this class. Can he move? Could Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma make the move to left tackle? We saw him do that a little bit at the Senior Bowl. So because I think the need is more, I would argue, more specific to that left side, you start to look at the first round and say, you know, would we be better with a Brock Bowers? Would we be better with if one of the wide receivers falls? And then we get into later rounds looking at where's their good value with the left tackles. Someone like Patrick Paul from Houston, I think is a really good option. He could be there at 45. Someone who had, you know, six foot seven, really good mover. 
So not that first-round pick, which we all want left tackles to be first-round picks because you find such great uh, players in that range. But I think round two this year is a spot where having that 45th pick is going to be really important. That Maybe you're finding your left tackle a little bit later. You know, those first-round grades, I know you wrote about this recently where I think you said that you had 15 players or so with with first-round grades. And I think it is interesting because when you draft where the Saints are, you're at number 14. So it's like if you have 15 players with first-round grades, you can guarantee you get one of those players. Yeah. But is it one of the players at a position of need? And and I think that's where you you run into this ideology of like every team will probably say, hey, we're going to take the best player available. But a lot of time it's, hey, we'll take the best player available at a position we need, right? You're not right. necessarily right. fully in that in that mode. So I guess when you when you are looking at the board at number 14, do you have to be willing to just kind of let it come to you and 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 go by your board or how do you, how do you look at that from a philosophical standpoint? I'm a big believer in best player available at a position of need. You know, I don't okay. if the best player available is a fullback, you don't you're not drafting, right? <laughs> and it's like you might have a you might have a perfect grade on a guard. I'm I'm one of drafting a guard in the first round is hard for me just because of the positional value, you know, and, and the numbers say you can find a pretty good guard outside the first round. So I think you have to look at those core positions, quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle on offense, pass rusher or a corner on defense is really where we're going to see a lot of the first round picks go. And I, I think for the Saints at 14, we're probably going to see four quarterbacks off the board. We're probably going to see three wide receivers off the board. And I think there's a good chance we're going to see three offensive tackles off the board. So like you're eliminating a lot of those premium positions, but the good news is, you know, one of the top corners could be there. One of the top pass rushers could be there. And if, even if you're not in a position to take one of them, it is going to give you a lot of good trade back opportunities. So, you know, I wouldn't advocate for some of the massive round one trades we've seen the Saints do in the past, but you know, maybe you kick back three or four spots and get a little extra draft capital and then you're more in the neighborhood of where you want to be for uh, one of those tackles that you're going to have to move or, you know, maybe maybe the first guard comes off the board in the 20s. I think that's a more comfortable spot than 14 when you add in the, the extra draft capital that you would get from the trade back. ESPN draft analyst insider Matt Miller joining us here. And I love the fact in your mock draft, you got quarterbacks going one, two, three. I've seen some mocks having a guy like Jaden Daniels falling out the top five, and that just doesn't makes sense to me. I was wondering what it is about Daniel's game that uh, some folks are still convinced about. Yeah, I don't know what people are waiting for uh, <laughs> on a player. We've watched him play in college football for five years. I mean, you've seen it all, you know, and so I, man, I don't see a way that, that he falls out. I, I, in fact, I think if the Patriots don't draft a quarterback at three, they would trade that pick knowing that, you know, the Giants or the Vikings or the Saints or the Raiders, like someone is going to need that that third quarterback and, and value them really highly. So I think with Jaden, people get stuck in their early perceptions of players. And I'll admit, this is hard to overcome sometimes. You watch a player as a freshman, you watch players as a sophomore. Sometimes you get stuck in that, good or bad. You know, a guy like Sam Howell played pretty well early in his career, kind of nosedive at the end, but you get stuck in those perceptions. And I think for Jaden, people are stuck in Arizona State. Instead of looking at what he did the last two years at LSU and actually giving him the credit for what he did the last two years at LSU, it's easy to say, oh, but the wide receivers. Well, C.J. Stratt had good wide receivers at Ohio State. He's doing just fine. Joe Burrow had great wide receivers at LSU. He's doing just fine. So I think that's where you have to be a nuanced evaluator to be able to take Jaden, look at the throws, and not pay attention to that it's Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas Jr. you gotta, you got to grade the throw. And, and the same thing for him as a runner. Guy had 1,200 yards rushing in the SEC. That is not easy to do at the quarterback position. So I, I think it's just a matter of giving him credit where credit is due. 
And, and some people are going to be late on that. I'm a huge fan of his game. You know, he's a, a top five player for me. And I, I think, you know, he's a rookie starter that could really change an offense if someone lets him loose a little bit. Yeah, we're hoping here that the Falcons don't end up trading up to get him. <laughs> yeah, that's tough, right? <laughs> or you want to you root for the guy all through his career. But, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's a lot of teams, not just Atlanta. There's a lot of teams that are going to be aggressive about finding that quarterback because not to get too far ahead, but, you know, next year's quarterback class doesn't have that guy in it. There's not a Trevor Lawrence. There's not a Caleb Williams. There's not someone that we know of right now that is that surefire number one pick going back to college. So I think we're going to see teams be aggressive for the Jaden Daniels and J.J. McCarthy's in this class. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually my next question because, yeah, the, the 2025 class right now sure, certainly doesn't look any – it looks a lot closer to the 2021 class where – I'm not sure there was a first round pick in it. The Steelers obviously went and got Kenny Pickett. I, I don't think he was a first round pick talent, but whatever. Obviously, the top the top three guys are are kind of ironclad in terms of these guys are going in the top half of the first round. Even if Jaden falls, he's not falling that far. But as you get further down the board and you look at guys like Knicks, Penix, McCarthy, you know, do you see teams even like teams trading up maybe into the back end of the first just because you look at it and you're like, we probably aren't going to have this opportunity next year to go get a guy if if this is the guy we like and he's there now we have to go do it i'm just curious do you think that there is going to be a little more urgency from some of these teams that aren't in those kind of prime positions to either pick a quarterback or trade into the top half to go get a guy maybe in the 20s if he falls there yeah definitely and i mean i think mccarthy there's so much buzz about mccarthy being a top 10 to 15 pick i'll be surprised if he gets out of the top 15 so then it's like okay how comfortable are you with bo Nix? you know especially right ahead of of the saints you've got minnesota denver and las vegas those are all quarterback needy teams and so if you you know say okay we're not going to go quarterback this year we're going to wait as the saints this is kind of good news for you because yeah, more good players are going to get pushed down you as teams go quarterback but i do think that you know there's going to be pressure on teams to say okay, we got to get a guy this year because of, you know, Carson Beck, Quinn Ewers, Shador Sanders, they're not they're not bad players in any way. We could be talking about them very highly a year from now, but they're not the guys that you're getting super excited about as prospects right now. So I do think that they're, if we see a Bo Nix slip to the 20s and it's one of those teams that didn't get a quarterback in the top three, do you try to come back up? If you're the New York Giants and you miss out on the big three uh, at pick six, do you try to move up from 39? I, I think, you know, the Washington Commanders, if they decide not to at two for some reason, well, they pick again at 40 uh, and 36. So they could potentially trade back up. But uh, I do think we're going to see, as it looks right now, free agency could change everything. But as it looks right now, there are a lot more teams that need quarterbacks than have them. And so those first five should come off the board pretty quickly. Checking out the Saints pick in your uh, the second round of your mock draft. Really like the pick. Jeff, you got to see Xavier Leggett out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, seems like a perfect replacement for a guy like Michael Thomas, who I don't think anyone is expecting back with the black and gold. Yeah, and powerful. Kind of like Thomas in that mold of like he's just going to physically overpower you to get to the ball. Uh, didn't run as well in person as I expected. Um, I was a little surprised by that. But he does on tape show run after catch ability. And he has speed. You know, there are moves on his tape where he is, you know, putting a shoulder on a guy and then breaking away for a long run. So that ability there, when you have a Chris Olave, you can go with, I think, a more physical option opposite him, somebody that is going to be your, you know, a little bit of your power forward type wide receiver. And that's what, that's who Leggett is. So again, trying to build out this team with, that has a, a decent amount of needs and perpetual salary cap problems. I really went into this thinking, like, how can you turn something into a strength? You got an offense that was 
productive last year. It was the number nine ranked offense in the NFL last year based on points. So how can you turn something into a strength? Shoring up the offensive line definitely is is in mind, but getting Bowers and Leggett, getting big body pass catchers that have run after catchability could really open things up. Sharp pivot here, but this is something I've been wondering about because you know, I think it, when you're a team that's looking for kind of a, a nickel corner prospect in the draft, I think there's a disconnect between at times, okay, you played a ton in the slot in college versus you profile to the slot at the NFL level. Like a guy like Mike Sanders still, he played a ton of the slot in college. Yeah. But a lot of times it's like, yeah, you're the best, you're the NFL prospect. You're going to be put in the most premium position, which isn't always in the slot. So I'm curious if there are any either safety cornerback prospects that you love in terms of transitioning to being a slot corner in the NFL as you kind of go through maybe the first three rounds of, of this draft? Yeah, Isaiah Russell is definitely one of them. Uh, Andrew Phillips at Kentucky is another one that I think fits that mold. And he'll probably be like a early third round pick, but he had a great senior bowl week. I mean, his, his instincts, his closing ability, like they scream inside player to me, but he's tough enough to play inside. Uh, 5'10", 190 pounds is, is the reason that he's probably looked at as an inside guy as opposed to an outside because all the skill sets there. So he definitely fits that mold. Uh, Jerry Jones from Florida State, a little bit of a, not late round, but later, probably around five. Uh, another guy that I think fits that mold of just going to be a really, really good nickel for a long time. And mm. there's so much value in that, that, uh, that he definitely fits that, that group as well. And I know you already put your mock draft out, but if you're looking at this top three, quarterback group do you think that Caleb Williams is truly head and shoulders above these other two guys or is this a little bit it, it seems like you, you get in these situations where it's a ton of hype and you we've been talking about Caleb Williams for so long <laughs> but then you, you know you kind of look I feel like kind of like you get in that Bryce Young CJ Stroud scenario where it's like people were in love with Bryce Young and then they never really looked long enough at CJ Stroud at least the Panthers didn't so I'm curious where you land on that do you think that is Caleb Williams this generational prospect that that people have become convinced that he is, or does there, is there a little bit more work there than, than people are admitting? So I think both, uh, and I know that might sound like a hedge. I think he is a really rare, unique quarterback prospect, and he's the best prospect I've seen since Andrew Luck. And I was like Joe Burrow's fan club outside of the state of Louisiana. Like I was, I was the biggest Burrow guy. So uh, that's saying that with all due respect toward Joe. I think also there are things that Caleb will have to work at. You know, there were a lot of fumbles uh, and he's going to have to clean that up. I think he got into this weird habit of knowing the team around him wasn't very good. And it was like, man, I better make something happen here. Or if our defense has to do this, we're going to lose, which is what happened a lot this year. So he's going to have to get some of those bad habits out of his game where he did truly think I got to put everything on my back. I got to make, you know, crazy plays so often. And that's where some of the, the bad moments came over. But that was a historically bad USC defense. And I think a lot of people are probably just watching, you know, the Caleb Williams clips, which is important to do. But you got to remember, like, their defense is giving up like 36 points a game. So he's trying to do a lot to keep them in games that, that led to some of the decisions where people want to pull a clip on Twitter and say, that'll never work in the NFL. It's like, well, we don't want him to do that in the NFL. Hopefully his defense can keep people under 24 and maybe he'll have a fighting chance week in, week out. But I do think he's a really good prospect. And that's not to take anything away from Jaden or from Drake May or any of the other quarterbacks in this class. You know, they are very deserving of being a, a top two or top three pick. And in most classes, I think Jaden Daniels would be a number one quarterback. So would Drake May. So those guys deserve all the accolades as well. You know, saying Caleb is great shouldn't, shouldn't take away from how good Drake or Jaden will be. 
That was Jeff Nowak and myself's conversation with ESPN NFL Draft Analyst uh, Matt Miller there. Uh, some interesting stuff. Uh, definitely curious to see how the Saints end up shaking out in the 14th pick in round one. There's been so much uh, speculation around it. I think uh, nobody's expecting the team, though, to stay put with it, Charlie. I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, the trend is them moving up. Uh, we've kind of talked about it a little. I, I wish this team would move down just to be able to accumulate more draft pick. If you move up, it's got to be like a crazy giant move into the top three, kind of like what Miller was mentioning, where he said that there are a couple teams that could try and trade up to get that third quarterback with the Patriots. I think it's smarter for the Patriots to take their quarterback of the future at, the, at three, but if they're shopping that pick, the Giants are going to be interested. The Falcons are going to be interested. The Vikings are going to be interested, like he said. Especially, and too, like Miller said, too, that like next year's class isn't looking so hot for exactly. QBs. Exactly. Like you're <laughs> looking at the top three guys. You can maybe extend it to four with Penix. McCarthy, I'm not super high on, but I mean, he's in that conversation, too, for yeah. like top five. It's not like that next year. The early look, at least. Now, right. a couple guys can make the jump like Joe Burrow did, for instance, and he ended up going number one overall in 2019. But just at a glance, this quarterback class is a lot better than next year's. Like Jeff had mentioned in that interview, that next year's quarterback class is closer to the Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter class than it is to this year's. We'll be taking a break, stepping away. We want to hear from you on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line. That's 504-260-1870 for more sports talk right after this here on WWL. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Back in on Sports Talk, going to hit that Oakland Hard Jewelers talk and text line right off the bat. James and Nolo wants to talk NFL draft. Hey, James. Hey, guys. Just think about this. Uh, the Manning kid is making more than Brock Purdy <laughs> right now. And, and, and so, I mean. And that's crazy, and, man. Right, right. And, and, and for that reason, a lot of these kids like him are not entering the draft. So we have a depletion and talent right now. So your your fifth, your sixth round, seventh round, whatever draft choice, probably might be a free agent. You know what I mean? In, in other years, because of this NIL thing going on, um, and and uh, you know, I read I read Miller's article. I know earlier on you said uh, I think uh, I think Mike said he had twenty legitimate first round picks. I think Miller said he had sixteen legitimate first-round picks, like, you know, legitimate first-rounders. Like, mm -hmm. you might have 32 selections, but 16 of them, in his opinion. I think Mike had uh, 22, Mike, James, but what he was mentioning with the 20 number was that seven of the top 20 picks were offensive tackles. That's how crazy this offensive <laughs> tackle class is when we were looking at it. And, like, and, Go ahead. And, 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 here's, like, like, and here's the thing with that. Um, yeah, I, I like most drafts. Uh, prognosticators or whatever that I've read or watched or pick and lay them for us, and and that's okay. He's a he's a right tackle. I just don't want to hear about him going to left tackle. But I think the guy in the later rounds, there's a guy in the later rounds that reminds me he's like James Hurst, 2024, and that's uh, that's uh, Graham Barton out of Duke. That kid, 
you know, I, I mean, he's got 49 is written all over him. As, as a matter of fact, um, I can see them, them picking him up, but they got so many knees with all these salary cap issues. They can't sign everybody. So they may choose to pick somebody else, but he could play guard. He's, he's playing left tackle. He will never play left tackle, maybe in a pinch in the pros, but he's guard center. You know, he's a powerful guy. We need an inside guy. But, um, you know, the thing is that I also heard that, and I think you all, you all talked about it earlier, uh, about these trade issues with Lattimore. I heard he was potentially going to Detroit, but I didn't know that it was like for next year. That would do, do D.A. no good. You know, you need to make the trade now. So what about maybe, um, you know, Cincinnati, Cleveland? He's from that area. Uh, we talked about this before. He would be the best uh, corner uh, coming out right now, like hands down. The only, the guy that reminds other people of him in the draft is Kool-Aid, the kid out of Alabama, but he doesn't have nowhere near his style type of speed, you know, uh, of uh, uh, Lattimore's speed. But uh, just to finish the article, though, Detroit was supposed to offer us their one and a three, and we give up two six. Like, you know, I mean, I would hope that we could do better than that, uh, and, and certainly not next season. I can't imagine us why we want to give them up next season when we need to get the picks now. What are you guys' thoughts about that? So I think this was Kat Terrell that had mentioned this and put out a story about it, um, that I think if the Saints trade him before, before June 1st, correct. they could take upwards of like $45 million in dead money. So that's what I was mentioning earlier when I said that if they're going to trade him, it will likely be for next year's draft. Unfortunately, obviously you're looking at the needs in this year's draft, and <laughs> you really want to see them get more picks somehow, but – I don't think Lattimore will factor into that for for at least 2024. It's definitely tough to think about even trading a talent like Lattimore, especially, uh, I think you said it earlier, Charlie, at the cornerback position when you want to be stocking talent there, not giving it away. Uh, I obviously uh, understand that connection to Detroit. There's plenty of that New Orleans Saints influence over there, especially uh, defensive coordinator with Aaron Glenn, who spent many years here and obviously knows Lattimore very well. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at a Detroit team that was quite literally one half away from making the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game, if they just didn't implode on themselves and make all these mistakes in the second half in San Francisco, their weakness this year was their past defense. For sure. So, I mean, going out and getting a legitimate cornerback one makes a lot of sense for Detroit. And I think if you're the Saints, if you're going to be shopping them with the Lions, you're not going to give them any kind of a discount. You know that that's what they need. You're going to have to pay up. But just uh, once again, James, if you're looking at it, Cat Terrell put this out on ESPN, I think back in late January, so it was actually a month ago, that with the restructure that they made with Lattimore, if they do it before June, it would be as much of a $45 million dead cap hit in 2024. Right, that's the reason so to wait until, not, unfortunately, after the NFL draft. I don't like that either. Yeah, no, it's it's not. I don't think it's going to happen pre-draft. We're going to step away, take a break, and close things out on our Monday edition of Sports Talk. Be back right after this on WWL. Wrapping up shop on this Monday edition of Sports Talk. Didn't talk about it all today franchise tags unlikely to be put on a bunch of top name running backs like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, uh, Terrick Henry, Austin Eckler. Man, Charlie, it's hard to imagine the trade market would be very good for Alvin Kamara with names like that on the free market. Yeah, the free agent market. I think Shefty reported it earlier is like one of the best free agent running back classes ever. 
And I mean, you list all some of those names. It's going to be incredible. I think the one to watch out for, and there's been a little bit of buzz about it so okay. far, the Chargers going to get Saquon Barkley. Really? Yeah. I've heard a little bit of buzz about that. Harbaugh wants to establish his run game in his first year with the Chargers, take a little bit of the heat off of Justin Herbert, and going out and getting a guy like Saquon. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, it would be very saucy. But, yeah, a lot of really great names available. Steve, real quick before we head to the end of the show, basically, I want to mention this. Uh, the Pistons are playing the Knicks tonight. So when the Pelicans play the Knicks tomorrow, it'll be on the second night of a back-to-back. Right now, the Knicks are leading by about nine points. The Pistons are one of the worst teams in the NBA. we got a root for Detroit. To make, make it a it, close game. Make it a t- close game. Make it a three-overtime game. <laughs> Just keep that game going. Get the Knicks on tired legs for tomorrow night when the Pelicans have to get a win. Yeah, at least uh, at, at minimum, make it a close game so there's not resting starters down the stretch able to uh, get a leg up on the Pels there. Uh, at least, like you said, the Knicks having to play them on a back-to-back, so hopefully a little bit of a tire. Knickerbocker squad taking the court tomorrow night to face New Orleans. You just got to get the, the Pistons to play some decent basketball, which has been kind of a hard <laughs> ass for them this year. But get this a close game, get the Knicks on tired legs for tomorrow night. That's a wrap here on Sports Talk. Hope you join us then. The Cajun Cannon, he'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you tune into Sports Talk starting at 4. Have a good night, New Orleans. Later. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.